Hello there, this is the Psychology Report, and good to have you with me again today. We're starting part two on the issue of friendship, or what we referred to yesterday from the book of Carlin Flora. Her book is entitled Friend Fluence, all one word, Friend Fluence. And um, since we did part one, we've heard that many people have Enjoyed the uh, program, learned much from it, and have even ordered her book. So it's Carlin, C-A-R-L-I-N, Flora, F-L-O-R-A, and her book is entitled Friendfluence, all one word, Friendfluence. So today we're going to take a look now in part two and uh, some of the additional aspects of uh, friendship and some of the advantages of friendship some of the ways to make friendship, the importance of friendship, and how you can just personally become a stronger person because of your friends and through your friends. Now, at the end of our program today, I'm going to introduce another sponsor of my program. This is Pompeii Foundation, the United Pompeii Foundation, uh, a foundation devoted to supporting the research and the uh, needs of young children with a genetic disease that affects their sugar production in the body and weakens muscles that are very important to breathing and heart and general health. So we'll introduce that here at the end. Now, Friendfluence. Let's go back to the topic that we started uh, on part one, and this is part two, to make sure that you get this concept of Friendfluence. Because this is the base of your happiness. We know that influence of friends creates increased happiness. The influence of friends creates increased health levels and longer life. There are just many, many different ways in which friendships strengthen us, add to us, give us quality of life, quality of living, and quality of all of our relationships, if you will. So... What are some of the aspects of friendship that I'd like to focus on today? Well, first of all, let me just focus on childhood friendships, okay? This is where the learning process of socialization starts. Friends at very young age begin to influence each other in a very positive way. So parents need to give children unstructured time so that they have opportunity to interact with others and work out their social skills and their social relationships. Don't oversee all social relationships of your children. Introduce them into relationships that they can then work them out for themselves. Don't be restrictive. Don't be overprotective. Don't be over-watching of your children. Uh, obviously, you want to protect them, but let them have opportunity to develop relationships and friendships and learn that there are some children that are worthy of relationships, ongoing relationships. And there are some children that you just don't want to spend any more time with. They're not to be pursued. They're not to be brought into your circle of friendship. And children have to learn the difference between a potential friend and one who is not a potential friend. Okay? So we have to remember that young children shape their social narrative very early in life, and it comes from their relationships. Now, let's go on to teen, teenage friendships. You know, we usually think of teenage friendships as that's where the romantic bond starts. That's where the romantic 
skills of an individual start. That's where the romantic taste and the romantic um, sensitivity begins to develop in these teenage years. So they're very important years for friendships to be encouraged and friendships to be honored and friendships to be fostered by parents. Now you do know that in teenage years the friendships almost become more powerful than parent, friend, uh, parent relationships and parent influence. They certainly have the strongest influence on a child's life during these teenage years. So it's important that they not only learn friendships, but learn good friendships and separate out good from bad friendships. Because that's where really some of the essential elements of long-term relationships become formed. Now, we don't want kids to fight, obviously. We don't want them to spend too much time with their friends. But we do want them to have relationships that might even involve some conflict. But from that, they learn how to be assertive. They learn how to work out differences. They learn how to work out conflict. And then sometimes relationships strengthen. Obviously, a friendship could end because of that. But sometimes friendships even strengthen at those times. So parents need to watch that and monitor that. But allow kids to uh, create answers to their own conflicts and create ways in which they can spend time together that's creative and positive and healthy. Um, we want our children to, you want to know what they're doing. You want to know what they're, who their friends are and what they're doing. So it's better for you to have your children invite their friends to your home so you can observe that rather than your child going to somebody else's home where you have no control and you have no opportunity to observe what's going on. Anyway, teen friendships are extremely important. We need to look at them in a very serious way because that's where long-term bonds begin to be formed. Okay, now let's move on to other kind of things about friendships. They can give us vital life skills, right? Vital life skills come from friendships. Every ability one needs to be successful in life comes from the formation of friendships and the development of friendships and the living out of friendships. All the perks of friendships are involved in our relationships right from childhood onward because we know that friendship sharpens the mind of both individuals because of the talk, the discussions, the arguments, the debates, the differences of opinion. That all sharpens the mind of an individual. And so friendship is a basis for mind sharpening, if you will. Friendships are also a basis for making us happier because we're recognized we're part of a team, we're part of other people, we're part of more social activities, more outgoing activities. That makes us happier. Friendships help us know ourselves better. It's through our friendships that we come to know ourselves. When kids give each other feedback, when they make comments, when they make statements, it shapes, it shapes the individual's life as to who they are and what they are. And so it helps us know ourselves better. Friends help us aspire or inspire us to reach our goal, to move towards our goal. Kids like to see goal behavior goal-directed behavior. Kids like to help each other achieve goals and celebrate the goals that are being achieved. In the same way that kids like to see us get part-time jobs and advance a career or talk about career. So it's more than just romantic partners, romantic life, romantic relationships. 
but it's this kind of sharpening of one's individual personality and the skills and the qualities of an individual upon another individual. And then let me say this, friends can help us define our priorities. You know, we usually pick friends who are similar to ourselves. You know, birds of a feather flock together, right? We usually like people who go through the similar experiences that we go through. That's what Alcoholics Anonymous is all about. You get together with people who are also going through this alcohol battle and conflict and strife and uh, war and are trying to win over the powers and the addiction of alcohol. So they come together and they support each other because they understand each other. They know each other is going through. They know the system. They know the problems. They know the conflicts. They know the successes and they know the joys and they know the outcome that's possible. So they support each other. They encourage each other. So you want friendships that will help you advance your priorities in life, your goals in life, your preferences in life, your desires in life. You see, if a friend shares something in common with you, you'll be more likely to advance your own goals and your own preferences and your own personality and your own desires. But if you hang around people who have a whole different set of values, a different set of goals, a different set of ways of life, uh, lifestyle, if you will, habits of behavior. If you hang around people who are very different, you'll never reach your goals. You're more likely to reach their goals and become like them. You can't do that. You can't do that. We want to grow through the range of friendships that we bring into our life of people who are similar and share our values, share our goals, share our desires, and share a lifestyle that is productive and healthy and uh, just positive in all different ways, you see. But certainly supports your own value system. Now let me ask you this. What about online friends? You know, a lot of people make friends online. They don't. These are often people who don't have very many friends. You know, the average person has one very, very, very close friend. They have three friends that are somewhat close. They have seven friends that are reasonably close and very good, and maybe even nine or ten or twelve. And then after that, we know a lot of people, but they're not real close friends. So our close friends usually are within the range of twelve people. But there are a lot of people that don't have those kind of friendships, so they turn to online. So they search these online programs to develop friendships. Sometimes it's to find a person to date. Sometimes it's a person just to have a friendship with, just tea with, just coffee with, just somebody to spend some time with. So we, we start the process of having a qualitative relationship with somebody online. Now, there's dangers with that because you don't know a lot about the person and the person can lie and the person can cheat and the person can tell you falsehoods and make up a story and make it false uh, profile. That happens. It happens a lot. Probably happens with about 30% the population of people who go online start talking to somebody that presents himself in a very false manner with a false profile and then you're in trouble you find out that you're trouble later on but there are a number of them that are very honest and very true and very sincere and quality people who are just sincerely seeking a friendship also so those kind of friendships can come together and come together in a kind of a nice healthy you know, kind of way, but you have to be careful, you have to move slowly, you have to be very cautious, and you have to make sure you check them out, so that you make sure there's truth, 
So those relationships have to be built on truth, not on falsehood. Same with Facebook. Same with Facebook, where you often meet people who are on Facebook. But you got to be careful because they can also present themselves in a false way. And uh, you don't want Facebook to dominate all your relationships. But you got to be careful, move slowly, check things out, verify. Over time, you'll find out whether a person is consistently true or not. So, although there's some advantages, one has to be very careful in maintaining that, okay? Now, people who are housebound often rely on online friendships. There's a book written, How to Be Sick. The author was Tony Bernard. Bernard. Tony Bernard. How to Be Sick. This is a lady that was housebound. She could not leave her house because of her health, her health problems. So she began to have a huge relationship with many, 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 many different people all online. And it helped her get well. It helped her restore herself. It helped her bring health to herself as she had all these relationships, but they started out all online. So one can use online friendships in a healthy way, in a positive way, and for your own good. But there's caution that has to be taken in so doing. Now here's another problem. Friends that matter to you. What about the gender? You know, we usually have friends, if you're a man, you have a male friend. If you're a woman, you have a female friend. That's very typical. Your friendships are based on gender, generally speaking. And there are things that we learn from each other, and there's advantages to that, because women learn from women. Men learn from men. Boys learn from boys. Girls learn from girls. We learn our, uh, our, our identity, and we learn our social skills and our social identity and profile by the friends that we have of the same gender. However, there are times when you learn from each other, when you cross-gender your relationships. When a male has a female friend, and a female has a male friend, and boy has a girlfriend, and so on. Because there's different personality traits, or different personality styles, there's different ways of feeling, and different ways of speaking, and different levels of empathy, and different levels of compassion that you learn from each other. But there's, but there's danger. There's danger. When you have a relationship with an opposite sex, an opposite gender, it can soon read differently. And it can soon spin on the wheels of some kind of quasi-romantic relationship and can get you in trouble and can lead to a real life of impairment and difficulty if those relationships are allowed to continue. So, again, a very cautious relationship with somebody of the opposite gender can be very good and very uh, helpful and uh, advance your personality and give you a lot of qualities that otherwise you might not have and you might miss. But you can't let the line be crossed. You can't let the gender relationship get confused and become something different. Because then it becomes a mess, <laughs> if you will. And I see that all the time in my clinical practice. Okay, now, what about one other thing? Couple friendships. You know, it's good to have friendships that are single. You know, you have a male friend, you have a female friend, you know, that, that's great. But it's nice to have friendships that are couples, that a one couple has a friendship with another couple. Because you share commonalities as couples, having children, raising families, you know, building a career, 
paying bills, taking care of a home, establishing social relationships beyond their, your own self. I mean, just many, many different things that friendships share in common and can be helpful to each other if you have couple friendships when you're married. So it's very important that you find somebody that the husband and the wife like each other's friends, each other's husband and wife, so that there's a foursome or a six-some that come together and have social relationships that bring you to a higher level and to a much more uh, mature kind of relationship, more serious relationship, because that way you share, you share things in common and you learn from each other and you rely on each other when you have trouble and you have difficulties because you probably have both gone through those kind of troubles and difficulties at one time or another yourselves. So you learn from each other and you gain from each other and you share with each other. It's a stretching experience when you have a couple of relationships. So I advocate, you know, that you have two or three or four other couples, small cycle of circles of friends that you get together on intermittent basis, maybe all together even, but you have so much you can learn together that a couple relationship is an extremely positive aspect of social relationships and friendships. So I certainly want you to do that. And then lastly, let me just add one more point. Friends can be a reality check. You know, nobody can tell you what, you're, what you are, what you're like, except a true close friend. You know, if you goof up and you're a jerk and if you don't really have quality of life, you know, people aren't going to tell you. People aren't going to say very much to you. They're just going to just ignore you and walk away and stay away. That's what most people are going to do. It's the true friend that looks you in the eye and says to you, look it, you're not being kind. You're not being considerate. You're not being diligent. You're not being responsible. You know, you're not being empathetic. You're not being understanding. You know, whatever it might be. It takes a close friend to be honest with you. You know, and that's what I do in therapy. You know, I presume that I have the freedom to be honest with people and to tell them the way I see them and the way I think of them and the way that they come across and the way their behavior patterns it can be interpreted. But some people don't like that. They don't want to be told that. They don't want to be um, identified as a person who has a problem that has to be dealt with. They'd rather that be the wife or the husband or somebody else. And, and what they do then in, in therapy, they stop coming. You know, the more honest you are with people, sometimes the more that they stop coming to therapy. Even though therapy is really the place to get some honesty. And to get really get some sense of who I am and what I'm like and what are the needs for my change and to be different and improve myself. But that's what a friend can do. A friend can be that reality check for you. Give that friend a chance to be your reality check. Friends are better at describing your behavioral traits than you are. And that's why we do in job analysis and, and recommendations and when we're looking through people and we're vetting them. We not only want to get their own view of themselves and how they look at themselves and have handled life, but we want to get the views of other people about them because we know that other people will be honest. Other people will see somebody else as they really and truly are when the person themselves may not be so honest and true. So it's a reality check. 
Other people represent a reality. Give them the freedom to be a reality check for you. Give them opportunity to say, here's an area where you need to improve. Here's an area you need to get yourself on target just a little bit better. So here we are, part two with friendship. Friendfluence has been the title. And again, Dr. Flora, Dr. Flora in her book, Friendfluence. I recommend it to you. And uh, take a look at it and it might be very helpful to you in this area of your life as you develop your own friendships and do them much better. Now, I told you at the beginning, I wanted again to give you just a little capsule of the Pompeii disease. It is a rare and debilitating genetic disease which affects both children and adults, actually. And although age onset is usually young, these symptoms are very severe and they weaken the muscles and make breathing difficult, the loss of weight and loss of strength and loss of the diaphragm working and loss of support of the lungs. And so it's primarily the lungs that are affected, but it can be the heart as well. So we have the United Pompeii Foundation. Now, Pompeii is spelled P-O-M-P-E, P-O-M-P-E. Look it up, the United Pompeii Foundation.com. And uh, here's an opportunity for you to learn not only about the Pompeii disease, but here's a foundation that needs some help because they in turn help these kids who have that disease and have to require and live on a medication that is extremely important on a weekly basis. So um, they need some help. They need some finances. So go to the UnitedPompeiFoundation.com, get informed, and then send them some bucks. You'll be doing good, okay? Nice to have you with me today, and we'll see you again. Bye for now.